You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 5, Episode 14. That's right, folks. The 99th episode of the Meet Mediocrity Podcast. My guest today is Ashley Wren of the Mala Collective. We talk all about her business and we talk all about meditation. It's a great conversation. You ready to hear more about it? Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, the 99th episode, season 5, episode 14. You're going to hear a lot over the course of this week about episode 100, which is coming up a week from today. I've got a very special guest lined up to be revealed later. Actually, not later on this podcast later in this week leading up to episode 100 but today we have a great episode 99 season 5 episode 14 ashley wren w-r-e-n her business mala collective and you're going to hear about mala collective and mala beads and and the other products that Ashley produces uh, to enhance your meditation experience, but this is really not a gimmicky thing. This is not a buy these beads so you can meditate. No, it's, it's far more spiritual, and I'm not just saying that. We, Ashley and I, spend the bulk of our time talking about meditation in a different kind of way. A lot more about how we can learn about ourselves, how we can learn to behave better towards ourselves, how we can learn to behave better within the world around us through meditation. Now, Ashley's business, Mala Collective, talks about um, meditation beads and, and crystals and cushions and paraphernalia that um, can be used to enhance your meditation experience. But frankly, Ashley doesn't spend time on this podcast overdoing that. She certainly talks about how she started her business. She talks about what motivated her to get into the business, what motivated her to enhance her meditation practice. But she doesn't sit there and say, you have to have these beads, otherwise you can't meditate properly. She doesn't do that. Um, So it's a very worthwhile conversation to listen to. I loved speaking with Ashley. Her voice is zen. Her approach and posture are zen. Um, I'm not so zen. I'm a little bit more in your face. But in my heart, I try to be zen. And I really connected with Ashley. So this is a conversation worth listening to. Next week, episode 100 is certainly a celebratory uh, episode to listen to. Uh, But for now, without further delay, here's my conversation with the founder of Mala Collective, Ashley Wren. So Ashley, thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to have you, Ashley. You know, one of the things that I have said has been 
one of the greatest things I've done for myself since the start of COVID is I started really diving much deeper into my personal meditation. So I'm a, I'm a person with a pretty active mind, Ashley. I like to be in my head. Well, I like to be in my head if I'm not driving myself crazy. So I'm, I'm doing a good job of, of, of driving myself crazy much less. But the concept of being in my head, being thoughtful and meditating is a good thing. And, and I've, I've brought my meditation along quite a bit since the start of COVID. And now I'm almost, now I'm two years into a pretty, a pretty regular practice of meditating. Um, you're a meditation person. You also have a business around meditation, but we'll get into to the business in more detail later. Tell me a little bit about your, when, when I say meditation, what does it mean to you, Ashley? How do you approach meditation? Mm, I think that's a great question. Um, and thanks for that framing. I, I think it's really cool being called a meditation person. I don't think I've been called that before. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you like, are one. But you yeah. are one. <laughs> but honestly, I never thought I would be. And meditation used to be so intimidating to me. Yes. I, I find that when I talk about it with people, you know, most people have a version of what they think meditation is. And a lot of how I teach and how I explore meditation is trying to share with people that it's not that, that it can be accessible, that it can be light, it can be joyful. And you're probably really good at it already. Um, so when I think about meditation, I used to think about it as I have to sit still for 20 minutes with no thoughts and I can't move. That's how I used to think meditation uh, would look like. And now I realize my mind is going to be wandering maybe 200 times in 10 minutes. And it's about being gentle with myself in that 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and not judging myself. And I mean, that is so much easier said than done. You know, when you hear meditation teachers say, just let the thought go without judgment. It's like, well, right. yeah, sure. But also, how do you do that? <laughs> because that's, it's like saying something like, just practice self-love. It's, it's almost such a big statement that it's not tangible. So, you yes. know, when I think meditation, exactly. It's, it's easy in concept, the theory I understand, but the practice, you know, there's days where it's really difficult for me. There's days where it's beautiful and, and that's normal. And it's been 10 years for me. So I think, you know, when I teach meditation now and how I frame meditation is, you know, you're going to have, actually I'll frame it this way. I had a teacher explain it to me years ago and it was the most visual and beautiful explanation of meditation to me. But if you picture I like to picture a bicycle wheel. So if you picture the middle of a bicycle wheel, that little center um, part, yep. yeah, that's your focal point. And your focal point can be your breath. It can be a mantra. A mantra is a word or a phrase or a sound that you repeat when you're meditating, or it can be a mala. A mala is the things that we make in my business. Uh, it's something that's been around for thousands of years of meditation. I did not invent this. This is a, a traditional tool in Hinduism and Buddhism. So your mantra, your mala, your breath. Okay, so you're at the center of the wheel and your mind is going to wander off. And let's say you wander off to that point where uh, you hit the tire, where you hit the rubber. Yep. In that moment, you can decide, oh my gosh, I'm the worst meditator on the planet. My mind wandered. I should be thinking about this. I need to be doing this. Or you can go, oh yeah, my mind wandered. Come back to my focus. Because that is going to happen 200 times in 10 minutes. So the way I reframe meditation now is, do I want to practice self-love 200 times or do I want to practice self-judgment 200 times? So that moment when we realize our mind is wandered, that moment when we hit the tire in that wheel analogy is that for me is the practice is 
am I going to speak to myself with love and with kindness? Or am I going to say I'm the worst? I shouldn't be doing this. Or I should be doing something else. Or I need to be doing something else. And there's a there's beautiful stats on most of our thoughts or the same thoughts we had yesterday. So I truly believe that the way we talk to ourselves and those internal conversations we have, they carry over into the next day, the next day, the next day. So what a beautiful opportunity to start practicing compassion and self-love and dropping our judgment. And maybe the more we practice this, the more love and compassion we have to ourselves throughout the day. You know, that internal voice that's going all day long, maybe it's a little less judgmental. Maybe it's a little less negative. Maybe we start shifting our language into love and to kindness to ourselves. So I think, you know, looking at meditation, not as I have to sit there silently without moving, it's maybe, hey, if my mind wanders or a dog barks or I get hungry and my leg falls asleep, I'm not going to be a jerk to myself about it. And that's well, a really, really simple version of it. But. It is simple, but you know, it's interesting People will hear that and their first reaction will be like, that sounds very meditative. It sounds very <laughs> kind of like out there, right? Because the people who I think can benefit a lot from it, first of all, everyone can benefit from meditation, but people who could benefit a lot from it are the people who are the ones who are like, I can't meditate. I'm terrible at this because these people are, are so driven on on the rest of their life they don't take a moment to pause and recognize what's going on inside of themselves so for me when i started meditating the first epiphany i had was to start to recognize how much stuff is going on in my head all the time mm. your brain like if you don't stop and think about it i.e meditate on it your brain is all over the place all the time. I have to go to the bathroom. I'm going to be hungry. I have a phone call to take. I need to do the laundry. I need to walk the dog. And it comes in and out and in and out. And it's, 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 it's when, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't know about you, but for me, once I started to recognize how much stuff is going on up there, you realize that there are hundreds of things going on every minute. And when it goes on from hundreds to many hundreds and thousands, that's when stress occurs. So the first thing I learned about meditation was like, oh, look what's going on up there. Mm. And, it, and once you start to recognize what's, well, at least for me, once I started recognizing what was going on up there, I was able to, A, as you said, not judge it. I was also able to slow it down. So that like when, when a hundred things a minute became 600 things a minute, I was able to slow it down so that the 600 things wouldn't create stress and, and headaches or stomach aches or, or whatever. So um, that sounds like really basic. It goes beyond that though, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think that everything is simple in life. We just make it so difficult. The, the idea of meditation is not to eliminate all your thoughts. You know, if we go back to that wheel analogy, maybe the point is tomorrow, instead of 200 thoughts, you have 198. And then maybe the next day it's 190. And then maybe the next day it's 400 because it's a crazy day. And then maybe the next day it's 100. And Deepak Chopra talks a lot about this, that in meditation, it's finding the space between our thoughts. What a beautiful way to frame it. But like, what does yep. that mean? It's so non-tangible. And when I started meditating, I was like, 
the space between my thoughts, like, what is that place? I don't know what that is. How do I get there? And then we start clinging to this thing that we think is the outcome of meditation. So, you know, if you think about meditation as it's not, it's not to have no thoughts. It's not to sit in perfect stillness. It's not to be perfectly Zen for 10, 20 minutes. It's a lot of just witnessing and seeing how we talk to ourselves. And you know what you're saying really resonates. You know, when I talk about this, people, I don't think we realize that we're actually quite mean to ourselves. We talk to ourselves with so much criticism and we would never speak to our best friend that way. We right. would speak to our friend with so much love and so much kindness. And so it's a practice. When I say like, come back to yourself, usually when I'm teaching, you know, when we hit that point, the tire and the wheel, wheel thing, come back, my love, come back, my love, come back, my love, speaking to yourself with kindness. And yeah, maybe it feels kind of weird and feels kind of woo woo. And I'm not going to do that because that's not how I roll. Fine. But when you think about our, what, what do you call yourself in your head? How do you speak to yourself and your own thoughts? And as you start noticing, it's actually quite shocking how we speak to ourselves. So even reframing meditation as, oh, I'm going to be a little bit kinder with the words I use towards myself. And that space between thoughts, that's where most really successful people have their aha moments. So I teach a lot of of athletes, like that moment, oh, that's self-connection. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, it's interesting because one of the things I've learned, and, and I'm, you know, not a young guy, but I started learning it a lot when I started this podcast two years ago, is um, every, a lot of people are looking, including me, are looking for this peace and joy in our own hearts. And, you know, people say uh, things like, um, being a great athlete or, or being successful in your career or having money doesn't buy happiness. Mm. It's peace and love in your heart. And um, peace and love in your heart, um, what comes with that is, is the term being your own best friend. Mm. And I feel like meditation gives you a minute to recognize mm. that the person who's most important to you, which is you, mm. it almost gives you a chance to reconnect with yourself in a, in a very different way. And that's kind of what you're saying too. Like, why are we? Why are we these negative thoughts? Like, oh yeah, you're fat, <laughs> or oh yeah, you're a couch potato. Mm. Like, no, you're supposed to be your own best friend, and and if you can become your own best friend, you can. Find that peace and joy in your own heart, which is what most human beings are looking for and don't know where to look. So meditation's a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. And I love that, the peace and joy in your heart, whatever language you want to use, if it's self-connection, self-love, peace, tranquility, calm, like alleviating stress, whatever entry point, whatever words make you feel good about it, use those words. I think that the idea of reconnection, like we're so disconnected from our bodies. We're so disconnected from who we are. And you know, I, I always joke like we make meditation cushions, for example, um, and mala beads and crystals. You don't actually need anything that we make to meditate. You can just meditate on your own, on your couch or in your bed. Like yep. we don't need anything to meditate. But I, the, the joke is always, you know, people buy meditation cushion to keep out, to remind them to meditate. Beautiful. That's a really great way to get into practice. But there's a moment where there's a shift where maybe you see it and you feel guilty. Oh man, I should meditate today. 
my cushions right there. So you're drawn out of guilt. And then there's becomes a day when you're like, I can't wait to go sit down and hang out with myself for a little bit. So it shifts from this guilt and this self-judgment to this gift of spending time with yourself. And if we reframe it to like, oh, I get to be alone for 10 minutes, for five minutes, for three minutes, and like just listen to what's coming up. It is, it does shift from deep discomfort to like a little vacation or a little moment of solace. A little like it's just a gift to yourself. It's such a gift to just sit and be quiet and listen. And I think, you know, I've had different visions and meditations and like experiences where, you know, you can go on these guided meditations where you see a younger version of yourself. Right. And I did that years ago and I spoke to myself with so much love. Like, Ashley, you're so strong. You've got this. You're so smart. You're so beautiful. You've got this. Like, just encouraging, loving words. And this voice in my head said, why don't you speak to yourself that way now? And there's this, this realization that we're so kind to everybody else. We're so kind to different ages of ourselves. But we look at a baby photo. Oh, we're so cute. But we don't use that language to ourselves right now. So meditation can become this experience to learn to love yourself in this moment as well. Be kinder to yourself in this moment as well. And it becomes really sacred, beautiful few minutes for yourself every day or once a week or whenever you do it. Um, and it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't, you don't have to have a bunch of crystals. You don't have to have this perfectly Zen set up. You can pull a cushion off your couch and sit on the ground right now. It can be whatever you want it to be. So I love the way you speak. You make me happy just speaking with you. Um, tell me, Ashley, I know you have a business. Mala Collective, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But you obviously evolved, right? You weren't born a meditator, um, but you discovered meditation, you explored it for yourself, you teach meditation, and you formed the business. Um, I'd love to understand a little bit about your journey because a lot of people are sitting there saying what we said earlier. So, it's something I've always wanted to do, but I don't do it, or I can't do it, or I can't sit still, or it's not for me. You evolved. Mm. Tell us how you evolved. Yeah, I think that most people assume I started a business in meditation because I liked meditation. That is not the case. I'm interesting about meditation. Okay. Um, I was a journalist. I used to cover murder trials, probably the opposite of meditation. Okay. And I, I'll, I'll share with you really quickly how I started it to just give some insight. But I went to Bali, fell in love with these mala beads, these prayer beads, like this string of beads that you use in meditation, and was flying from Bali to Thailand. And a lady came up to me on the plane and said, oh, your aura is so beautiful. Can I sit and talk to you? Very, very adorable hippie thing to say. And <laughs> she ended up being the woman that made the beads that we had bought. So just very serendipitous, very much outside of our um, vision of what was happening on that trip. And, you know, in, in the end, we end up working with her. That's how the business started, just by meeting somebody. Just by so you wait, so wait you, bought, you bought these beads not because you were a meditator, just because you thought they were cool. Because I thought they were beautiful. And yeah. the yeah. idea, like the different gemstones, there's different qualities associated with different gemstones. I thought that was so beautiful. Like, I, 
I, this was so new to me. This whole world was so new. Like, oh, rose quartz represents love. Wow, that's really cool. Lava represents strength. That's really neat. Like all these different stones and beautiful colors had different qualities and associations. And so whether or not you believe the stone brings you love or maybe you wear the stone as a reminder and you start thinking about it, whatever way you want to approach it, I, I think it's beautiful. So that was how I got into this world. But it came with so much self-judgment because I thought, how dare I run a business in meditation but I don't know how to meditate. So when I learn about meditation now, when I teach it now, like that's exactly where I used to be was the whole, I have no clue what I'm doing. I think I'm doing it wrong. And this, it's such an internal experience and it's filled with so much self-judgment and so much comparison. Like, you know, I always joke like in yoga, you can look beside you and see the person doing a pose and you can adjust your body based on what they're physically doing. But if you and I are meditating together, both of our eyes are closed and I look over at you and I'm having a a, a tough meditation. And I look at you and your eyes are closed. I'm like, oh man, this person's doing such a good job. They're so Zen. Maybe 30 seconds later, you think the exact same thing. And you look at me and my eyes are closed. Like, <laughs> we have no idea what's happening inside the person beside us. And right. it just looks a certain way. Therefore we assume it should feel and be a certain way. But, you know, in my experience, meditation, it's still uncomfortable for me 10 years in. And then there's days where it's absolutely beautiful. And I think when we start chasing what we think it should be is when we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, that meditation needs to feel a certain way. And, you know, my journey with it, I'm very analytical and very type A. I wanted to be perfect at it. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be right. And it's it was not like, the way meditation works, is it? Apparently <laughs> not. not. At all. I was on a retreat in India I was asking a ton of questions and a teacher finally said to me, Ashley, you're avoiding doing it by asking all these questions. And I think in our world, we are rewarded for asking so many questions because we're made to think that we're doing better by asking questions that we're trying to find the right way or the perfect way. But really I was actually just avoiding doing the thing by asking so many questions. So right. it's, it's this thing that we've been taught in work is strong, but in meditation, it's a form of avoidance. And one of my teachers actually said to me, meditate every day for 200 days and then worry about if you're sitting the right way, then worry about the technique. Because actually the, the only thing we're doing is building a habit. Everything else is irrelevant. How you sit, what time of day you do it, how long you do it for your posture, all those things, just be comfortable. Everything else is avoidance. All those questions are avoidance. So for me, it's been a settling and it's been a letting go of what's the right, what's the wrong. And that's a hard thing to let go of. And now when I teach entrepreneurs, people in finance, you know, very analytical people, they're like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? What's the, what's the best way? What's the, when am I going to get my ROI? When is the results going to kick in? <laughs> when am I going to get my ROI? Yep. Those questions are like real questions and it's no different than going to the gym. You don't go to the gym once and you're like, wow, the results are there. Right. Some days the gym sucks and some days the gym is awesome. It's no different than meditation. And the other thing I've learned, so when it comes to meditation or going to the gym or anything it, or, or diet, um, it's never, you know, I spent most of my life looking at that goal. Like, mm. okay, when the ROI hits this, I've achieved it. When I've lost this many pounds, I've achieved yeah. it. When I, That's actually not the way life works. Yeah. You know, if, if you had a goal to lose 20 pounds and you lost 20 pounds, is your work done? No, because if you work, if you if you behaved your life like work was done, then you'd gain that twenty pounds back in an instant. 
If you go to the gym for a month and all of a sudden you're able to do something you weren't able to do before as your work done, of course it's not done. Otherwise, you're, all of your gains are going to disappear. Mm. I feel like it's what you're saying with meditation is the same thing. Mm. Don't ask a million questions about how to perfectly do it. Just do it. Because guess what? You're not, there is no end game. The end game is, is peace and happiness that can only grow over time if you continue to do it. Mm. Yeah. So, so I didn't realize, Ashley, that you started uh, business first, becoming more Zen second. (laughs) Um, Tell me a little bit. Let's talk about the business, and then and then I want to talk about um, how you expanded it. So, you found these gemstones, and you were intrigued. Tell me how that became a business. (laughs) I mean, I think most people thought what we were doing was crazy. Most like you're quitting your career because of a hippie from a plane. Like that's kind of weird. Um, I think also, I don't think it's weird by the way. I think it's freaking cool. Sometimes you just know in your gut that it, you, there's something you do. Yeah. I'm a huge believer in that, in that intuitive yep. thing or whatever it is. I think, you know, when I tell people that story, most people think, Oh man, I wish something like that would happen to me. And I, I super believe in, I believe in serendipity a lot, but the way I respond to that is I think that there's people we meet every single day that can change our lives and we can change theirs. I don't think we're open to it. I think most people are not open to it. Right. I think this, this natural, it's too good to be true is our immediate reaction. And I think that that comes with a lack of trust and a lack of connection to self. And actually that's another way I reframe meditation is the more we sit with ourselves, the more we learn to listen to ourselves, the more we tap into that voice, that knowing, that feeling. And we've all had those feelings where like, I knew I should have gone left, or I knew I shouldn't have trusted that person, or I should have whatever, or I've had that aha moment in the shower, washing dishes or in the car. We all have that connection to self. We all have that intuitive power. I think that intuition becomes strengthened and we start to trust ourselves more in meditation. So that leap of starting a business it was just sheer naivety and serendipity. And that's also a gift, naivety, not knowing something is really powerful. Um, you know, 10 years ago is when I started Mala. Meditation was not as cool as it is now. Now meditation is really cool. Now people are like, yeah. of course, I have meditation practice. Of course, you know, we can talk about it openly. 10 years ago, people were like, I don't know, it's kind of a hippie, weird thing. You shouldn't right. talk about that in public. Um, and it was just curiosity. It was just my own curiosity of, what what is this thing? This is really beautiful that this can help relieve anxiety and stress. Well, this is beautiful. Oh, I, I'm curious about how other people approach it. I'm curious how other people talk about it. I'm curious how other people feel. And it's if I have that question, I wonder if somebody else has that question. So it was never with the intention of growing this huge business. I mean, if somebody had told me that 10 years ago, I wouldn't have done it because I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. I was a journalist. I didn't know anybody that owned a business. So the end goal was never build this thing, inspire people to meditate. That was never a concept that crossed my mind. And as it grew, we started getting emails from people saying, you know, these mala beads have helped me through abuse. They've helped me through divorce. They've helped me through a sex change. They've helped me through um, being able to live alone with my kids moving away and becoming an empty nester, like all these beauty, beautiful journeys of transformation. It wasn't the beads that did it. it. The beads represented this journey for them. And it was their meditation practice that did it. And so I became curious of 
wow, if this physical thing can represent transformation, change for somebody else, what else can we create that can represent that for them? And again, like I said earlier, you don't need what we make to meditate. Right. It became an exploration of what are these physical manifestations that inspire people to do that? Right. So the cushions, like I said earlier, can represent maybe um, if I leave it in my living room, it's going to remind me to meditate today. And it will eventually go from guilt to like this beautiful place of solace. You know, the crystals, like I mentioned, rose quartz earlier represents love, self-love and the heart chakra. Maybe having that out beside your bed or in your living room, in your bathroom reminds you, oh, I want to practice self-love. It's a reminder of an intention. It's a reminder of how you want to live. So this, this exploration of how can these things be beautiful? How can they be steeped in authenticity? And how can they inspire someone and the thoughts that they carry every day and their intentions for the day? So it's just a, a curious journey that has lasted 10 years, which I'm in awe of. It's so beautiful. And seeing people are so open to it and so curious about themselves. It's, it's incredibly rewarding. So I assume you have customers far and wide. You've people ordering stuff from all over the place. Yeah. And I think, you know, the first time somebody ordered from like Estonia, I was like, where is Estonia in the world? Like going and looking at a map and it's, it's so cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's so beautiful. It's, it, bring, it brings people to, it, it, in a way, it's bringing people together because, you know, we always hear things, Ashley, like we're all connected. Yeah. And, and people who are not even the slightest bit enlightened, they're like, what are you talking about? We're not connected. What's the connect? And then you stop and you realize that what you just described is a connection of humanity, right? You know, you've got this person is in Estonia who's looking for some, better version of themselves in their hearts, in their minds. And they, they started a meditation practice and they want, as you said, a, a, a tool or a, a um, reminder of, of the, the importance of their practice. And they reach out to you and you send them something that started because you met someone on an airplane and all of a sudden like, holy crap, we are actually all connected. And, and, and that is a beautiful thing. If we could all feel that way, I think humanity would be in a better place right now. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to say it. And you know what you were saying earlier, that we're all seeking this thing. And I, I truly believe that we're all seeking self-connection and self-love and inner peace. And I think it's, I mean, words words mean so much depending on what word you use. So use the word that resonates and lands with you. But I, yeah. I truly believe it's self-connection. And when we when we become curious about self-connection, we start to connect with others and it just happens naturally. And I think there's, there's this, you know, when I, when I go to events, when I speak, when I, you know, teach anywhere, um, I find that there'll be a lineup after and maybe 20 people will have the exact same question, but instead of asking it in front of everyone, they want to do it quietly. And I think it's this realization that we're all seeking the same thing. Right. We all have the same questions. We all have the same fears. It's just the ability to speak about it openly, this vulnerability, this openness. And if we've realized we're all seeking the same thing, like how much more compassion we'd have for others, how much more empathy and love we'd have for others. Um, and I think that this world of mindfulness meditation opens that. And it's, it's so beautiful. It's funny you should say that because I was, um, I was speaking to one of the people that I speak to for counseling um, 
it was very informal and this 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 topic came up and really frankly if we all were a little bit more mindful about this um the whole the whole world would be a better place i feel like a lot of um um conflict a lot of a lot of human conflict whether it's interpersonal conflict or it's political conflict is really because of this not connecting with humanity and so um i think i think what we're speaking about here is something that even if we do it one person at a time mm. it could be it could mean a lot for humanity so mala collective so I'd like to I'd like you to talk a little bit about the things that people can get when they go into malacollective.com. Mm. What are some of the things that you sell there? And then I would like to understand, let's just say I'm a person who does want to connect more. I'm like this Ashley person. She sounds wonderful. And I'm going to go on to her website and buy some beads. And and I'm like, okay, these beads are beautiful. I want to learn more about meditation. So tell me a little bit about what are we going to find on the website? And what are we going to find when we reach out to Ashley and be like, I want to learn more about meditation? Oh, I like that question. Um, I mean, at the website, we have mala beads. You know, I, I kind of shared it earlier, but mala beads are a really beautiful tool when you're new to meditation. I still use them 10 years in. So I, I truly believe that the foundation of meditation is something you, you use from day one and you can still use it in 20 years. So advanced yep. beginner, it's all the same. Um, but it's something tactile that you turn through your fingers when you're meditating. So, you know, we were talking earlier about your mind wandering off. It's this thing that you can come back to. It's in your hands, brings you back to the present moment. You go all the way around 108 times and that signifies a full meditation. So it's, it's a really beautiful tool when, when you get into that analytical mind of like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Yep. So they all have different gemstones, different intents like we were talking about, uh, meditation cushions, crystals, but a lot of free content on the website. I really believe in helping people meditate, whether or not they want to buy stuff from us. That's, that Great. doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's changed my life drastically, and I truly believe in sharing that with people. So we have lots of free guide meditations we have online courses we do different meditation series throughout the year that are free um and i mean always reach out there's we're a small team we love hearing from people about meditation journey and mindfulness and what intention is for me what crystal is for me like how do i start i can't sit still like you know all these questions are normal human questions and uh, we love hearing them we love ask uh, being able to be a part of that journey with people it's a very vulnerable beautiful interaction that people let us into their world so quickly because it is it's such a personal experience so i mean it's it's such a gift so thank you and that and that was kind of going to be my last my last question so i'm going to ask it uh now um you're speaking to someone like me a grown adult i i by the way i've got these types of grown adults in my life surrounded by them you're talking to me a grown adult who who has heard the term meditation completely want to do it but just don't even know where to begin mm. what advice would you give to those people because there are listeners to this podcast who are like oh here we go it's a meditation one um 
And what is Mitch's guest going to say differently that's really going to get me to finally do this? So what would your advice be to that person who really just wants to get started? That's a good question. I would say, okay, here's a couple of like tips and tricks because we all like having like a list of three things that we can do. We all do. Yep. We love it. I understand. Um, I would say... One of the tips one of my teachers gave me, I loved this, was attach your practice to something you already do. So if in the morning you turn on the kettle or the coffee pot, use that as a trigger to go and sit and meditate for two minutes. You tie it to something that's already a habit because, you know, we were saying earlier, building the habit is actually the hardest part. Right. Sitting and meditating, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but we can justify our way out of anything if we don't want to do it, which is why the reason having a cushion is really nice. You don't have to sit and go, should I meditate in bed? Should I go on the counter? Should I go over by the kitchen? Should I like, you know what? There's too many thoughts. I'm going to do it later. Like we can, we can figure out ways to get out of it when it's uncomfortable. So tying it to something where you don't have to think, brush your teeth in the morning, go meditate, turn on the kettle, go meditate, like something that already is a habit. So there's love that. Second one, just keep it short. Like two minutes is great. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes. I think that we have this all or nothing mentality as humans. We do. I have to do it perfectly. I have to do it right. I finally do our free meditation series. People will fall off on like day four and never return. Cause like, well, I skipped one uh, and I'm the worst now. Therefore I can never return. And it's like, if you miss one day at the gym, you don't say that's it. I'm done. I'm the worst. I'm never working out ever again. And like <laughs> you would go back a couple of days later. It's the same thing with meditation. You don't have to do it every single day for 20 minutes. You can do 90 seconds. You can do 16 seconds. Box breathing is a very easy way to meditate. You inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. You just meditate it. It's really easy. You can make it as easy as you want. So start with two minutes, work up to four minutes, work up to eight minutes. Maybe if you want to do 20 minutes one day, do 20 minutes. So start small. Love it. Um, and then the last one is like I mentioned, like just don't be hard on yourself. If you skip a day, go back the next day, you know, be a bit more compassionate to yourself. What we were talking about earlier that we are so judgmental to ourselves, the words we use for ourselves, we would never use to our best friends. So really start small, fit it into your day. I've had people say, but Ashley, I have kids. I, I can't, I can't. One of my teachers would put his meditation cushion beside his bed and roll out of bed onto his cushion before his kids woke up. Like if you want to fit in one minute, do it in your car. Like you can do it at your desk. There's, there's so many ways to slide it into your day that doesn't have to look like what you think it has to look like. I love that. I love that. Ashley, thank you so much. This is, this is, this just made meditation accessible, attainable, because you've made it seem so easy and you have to start somewhere. And I think that's our message. Like start somewhere, start small, don't be hard on yourself and see where it takes you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. Take care. Well, there you have it. Don't you love Ashley's voice? I love Ashley's voice. She's so calm and peaceful and not it's not manufactured it's not contrived it's it's authentic and one of the things i like about the conversation was she talks about ways to meditate that are not threatening at all there it's it's what we should all aspire to do some of the time and if we enjoy it and we learn from it which we should we'll do it more 
And Mala Collective, the way she, she found Mala Collective and started it up is a great story. And the fact that she doesn't sit there and say, you need to have these props, you need to have these tools and product in order to meditate properly, she doesn't say that at all. Some people need the gear. Enjoy the enjoy the 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 accoutrements that come with the habit. We all do. I'm a golfer. I'm a cyclist. I like to um, work out, do yoga. You wonder why I'm not in better shape. But anyway, that's a different discussion. But I love the gear. The gear is part of the fun. And I think that's the case with Mala Collective. Look, the gear, the, the, the products that Ashley produces are all natural. They're beautiful. They're meaningful. And if you take time to learn about them and use them, I think it enhances the experience. The same way for me, you put on a new golf shirt and you put on a new pair of golf pants or shorts and you kind of might have a better round of golf. <laughs> Even though uh, the shorts don't play the game, um, and 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 the gear doesn't play the game, it enhances the experience. So, Ashley, thank you for a great conversation around meditation. Thank you for uh, bringing us uh, insight into Mala Collective, how you found it, and the products it produces, and why. And for all of my listeners, thank you for being part of Meet Mediocrity for 99 episodes. Episode 100 is coming next week. We're reaching towards the end of Season 5, but not just yet. Have quite a few more episodes after number 100 before we call it a a wrap on Season 5. But until next week, until the big celebration, I wish everyone to continue to stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy spring, Stay positive and stay well. Take care, everyone.